This is the John Oakley Show podcast. And away we go. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Pound 3636 this weekend. Absolutely good idea. And uh, warm your hands over the hot steaming pie. Uh, let's get into it with our panel. We've got uh, joining us in the studio the Reverend Dr. Sherry DeNovo, Minister at Trinity St. Paul Center for Faith, Justice, and the Arts, and the former NDP MPP for Parkdale High Park. Sherry, thanks for coming in. It's a balmy minus nine. I'm <laughs> happy to be here. <laughs> it, it's better than it was, is what we're saying. <laughs> Relatively speaking, things are warming up. Uh, John Capobianco, Senior VP, Senior Partner, National Practice Lead for Public Affairs in Fleischman Hilliard's Toronto office. Hello, John. How are you, John? Good, good to be good. in Toronto after being in Thunder Bay for 24 hours. <laughs> really? Uh, because uh, of the nightlife or because of the temperature? <laughs> there was no nightlife at minus 45, I can assure you. Wow. There's no life generally. Uh, <laughs> and Michael Giles, he's been in government 30 years, federally, provincially, and municipally, and he's on the Oakley Show this afternoon. How's Michael? I'm very good. I think you just lost your invitation to the uh, Thunder Bay Chamber of Commerce annual Christmas party. <laughs> oh, damn. Uh, all right. That all being said, uh, and there was a chill in the air as well last uh, segment, we were talking to the spokesperson for the Ontario Health Coalition. I wanted to start with this because uh, really it has to do with the debate now, I guess, we're having. Having since uh, yesterday, it turns out the NDP got, uh, I guess, this draft legislation that was leaked to them that uh, says there's uh, a lot of reform in the air as far as the Conservatives are concerned. 81 pages of uh, ideas that are floated right now, according to Christine Elliott, is just a draft legislation. Uh, but it starts a conversation that's necessary to have, and that has to do with reforming health care in the province. And Sherry, I'm not going to start with you because uh, I heard you those... You know. To- you I, just know, John. I heard the talking points in the last segment uh, with Sarah LaBelle, so I'll go to John Capobianco. I mean, where would you even start to reform health care in the province if we accept that that's something inevitable and necessary to do? Well, I think everybody, quite frankly, should, and, and certainly this government believes that, that there's going to be some sort of tr- transformative change in, in health care, without a doubt. You know, you just can't sustain... Uh, what we've been sustaining over the last number of years, 10, 15 years in healthcare, and and try to think that given what's happening uh, with our population and our aging population, that we're just going to fix it on our on our own. So there's got to be some thinking around this. And I find that the NDP, uh, who of course, and Sherry will say this, and and but you know, anytime there's even a remote uh, discussion by anybody, not least of which the Conservatives, but certainly when Kathleen Wynne was Premier, they were accusing her of privatizing healthcare uh, the minute they suggested some level. Level of change and and you know of course with the conservatives this is like a kid in a candy store for the NDP they uh, they're like oh there's this draft legislation and there's you know there's talk of privatization and of course Ford is going to privatize anything look at Christine Elliott basically said everything's on the table as far as discussion we should as a community in Ontario discuss health care and how to better deliver services for our patients uh, because what's working now what, what's happening now is not working. All right. So, Michael, I'll uh, go to you as well with the same question. Uh, first of all, you accept some reform is necessary. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, ironically, that's this is where I started out in the 1980s. I started out with uh, with the health minister at the time, Eleanor Kaplan, when uh, David Peterson was premier. And I remember when I, I think the budget that, over that course of those few years went from nine billion to seventeen billion. Uh, when they when it walked in there, there was you know 13 million OHIP numbers registered through the system. There was nine million people living in Ontario at the time. So clearly, even then, there was need for change. The, the, the system itself, you know, you look at the budgetary numbers. You know, the projections are it's 58 billion this year, 61 billion the next year. You know, uh, up to 66 uh, billion in 2020, 2021. 
obviously we have to do something. The vast majority of the costs associated with the healthcare system are through the hospitals and through that system. So, you know, you get into it, the debates, you could just literally speak for hours on this, but you've got to look at alternative ways of doing things. For example, urgent care centers. You know, having an after-hours clinic that's open until 10 o'clock at night is probably, you know, it's a good thing in many respects, but it's not solving the problem. You need to be able to divert people. I think it's something like 40% of the people who go into hospitals are with respiratory infections. Upper, do they need to be going to a hospital setting, a setting and that kind of, that's the kind of thing. Now, having said that, I know the whole thing with privatization, even back in those days, it was like the third rail. Everybody would go crazy. But we already have privatization in our healthcare mm-hmm. system. Go for an x-ray, go for a blood test, go for a lot of Shoulders. things. You know, the Shouldice Clinic, you got, what's his name, Rand Paul's. So we have that already. I don't think what the well, Ford government... Jack went there as well. Don't yeah, absolutely. Forget. And I don't think the Ford government's talking about privatizing public health care. What they're talking about is private... And, and other governments have done it. It is privatizing some of the delivery methods Correct. through a public system. And, you know, if that's going to be a way of dealing with this system in a sort of a more of a multifaceted approach, well, we have to look at that. We have right. to. So the amounts of money that you talked about back in the day uh, already seemed like, you know, but the trajectory is such that uh, it's unsustainable or it's going to be cost prohibitive. But there is a suggestion that, you know, pouring more resources and money is the panacea. You don't see it that way. Well, no, I, because the reason I, 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 would, I would argue with that is because at some point you're going to run out of money. You know, you cannot operate a system with that kind of exponential growth with an aging population and then expect it, you know, you're going to be able to continue to do it. The average cost per family of health care in Canada now is $12,900 a year. So it's not even so much, can you go? It's not even so much running out of money, John. It's, it's, it's running out of a pool of money. In other words, if you pay 60 cents to a dollar on health care, then 40 cents to the, the dollar to go to everything else, infrastructure, education, someone's going someone's to give. All right, and Sherry's going to need sutures in her tongue. She's been biting it for so long. Uh, well, uh, first first and foremost, let's just say uh, one if, if not the most expensive healthcare system in the world is to the south of us in the U.S. Privatized healthcare is more expensive yeah. than public healthcare, and that's been shown over and over again per capita. So the, the real but question... But it is a quality of healthcare well, that we don't replicate Well, it, for some, for many, there's no healthcare at all. Uh-huh. And speak to any Canadians who are snowbirds who come back for OHIP. And quite frankly, Medicare single-payer system that we have is one of the things people love the most about this country mm. on poll after poll after poll. Well, that's because so they don't see the cost. The cost Well, are the, but they, they do, and they're willing to pay it because it's so much less than the United States, mm. and it covers everyone. The reason we weathered the 2008, you know, downsizing that happened internationally, one of the reasons we did better than our U.S. relatives is because we had health care. Down there, something horrible happens to you. All of a sudden, your house is on the block to sell because you cannot afford to get it well, done. we're going to see. Kam- so, Kamala so Harris, is uh, she's promoting universal health care in the States. We'll see how that gains traction. Well, let, let, let's put it short. this way. There's a reason that Christine Elliott came out today and said, no, no, don't worry, because they know that if they mention the word privatizing health care to the Ontario public, their polling numbers will, will drop like a stone, and with good reason. Mm. I mean... Uh, Again, you know, we're we're looking at a system, and absolutely, could it be better? No question. I mean, one of the ways it could be better is our long-term care. There are not enough beds. We have one of the worst uh, records in all of Canada for hospital beds per capita anyway. We have, in fact, the worst record in Canada right now. All right, right where now. do we find the money or the resources? Then? Well, it, we don't find it by cuts. Um, Harris tried that, and guess what? He ended up spelling, spending almost $4 billion on restructuring 
featuring and didn't save that much money. What about the bureaucracy with the lens? Like even in the uh, segment prior uh, to your joining us, the person from the Ontario Health Coalition conceded that there's a top-heavy bureaucracy uh, there. Uh, well, and absolutely. I mean, and certainly in the NDP, when we were there, we were critical of how the lens were set up. I mean, um, there's no question that there there's reform needed. But to make one big central huge bureaucracy, that's not the answer either, because that's not going to save money. That's just going to shift money into something, you know, singular. But no vestige of privatization whatsoever. Michael was just saying, you know, you've got certain uh, services uh, provided by the private. In fact, we should be adding dental care, because most of Europe has dental care. Pharmacare sh- too, right? We should be adding pharmacare, because that would save us money. It would save us money, because remember, the people that need the serious health care that costs mm. a lot of money are the ones that didn't get the dental care and don't have the pharmacare. Just look at the states. Again, most expensive health care system probably right, anywhere. But answer that question directly here, uh, and then we'll skip around to other topics worthy of discussion. The privatization thing, because, Michael, you alluded to that being, it's a hybrid kind of thing, and it's already, as John pointed out, uh, the system, you see it, you mentioned the Shouldice Clinic, you go for blood work, these private clinics, they already exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, expanding on that to some extent, or certain service providers being private uh, privateers, there's no problem with that. Well, I, I mean, Germany, Switzerland, the Netherlands, Sweden, France, Australia, they're all public healthcare systems, and they all have privatization right. components to it. Now, some of those have co-payments. I never, I don't agree with co-payments. I don't think they work. Uh, one of the reasons why the United States system is expensive as it is, is administration. They have a 25.3% administration cost in the United States. We have about 12. One of the reasons is because they have multiple healthcare plans and you have to find a lot of documentation submissions. And there's profit built in. There's, of course there's it. profit built in as well. But having said that, you know, if, if the private sector can deliver certain things, you know, I mean, uh, one of the, 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 again, it's a bit of a third rail, so is the whole notion of global funding or global budgets for hospitals. All those countries I just mentioned have uh, activity-based funding. So basically, whatever you're providing in those hospitals, that's what you get funded for, uh, as opposed to this, you're handed this giant global budget and that's how you operate. So, uh, you know, I, I'm a, a firm believer in the public health care system. I don't believe in user uh, co-payments. I believe there's things we can do. And, you know, we have to put a lot of stuff on the table. Privatization in the sense that you have two-tier system, I would never agree with that. But you can have private entities delivering services, whether it's hospital operations or whatever, Maybe they can do it more efficiently. Well, in fact, I think I think, and that's part of the discussion. And I think that you but you can't have this kind of discussion. And you've got the NDP. The first minute they get this thing, and Andrew Horvath is on the podium saying privatization, and this is scary and fear mongering. And again today, and they're doing uh, the Liberals are using it for their fundraising efforts to say that Ford is privatizing health care. You know, so uh, at which point are our leaders who are elected officials, no matter what political stripe you are in, uh, actually going to sit down and say this can't be sustained? We have to do something. We all believe in the public system of healthcare, but we all know that existing existing structures like Shouldice and others uh, actually do work and can work. And maybe we actually go to long-term care facilities and and have people sort of you know who are who are at the stage where they should be home and maybe looked after at home versus being in a hospital bed. Looked after that perspective and maybe incent companies to do that more often. There's a lot of companies out there, private companies, who look after home care and and can look after people who are at home versus at hospitals and get them out of hospital beds. But there's things like that that in creative ways that we need to look at. But the minute you talk about something like that, that's just outside the public health space, you got the NDP crying foul. Well, right. I, I think you've got the public. 
crying foul. No, I don't frankly. think so. I, I think I it's mean, changed, Sherry. Okay, here's where they could save some money. Sherry, you want to hang on to that thought? For Dr. Devlin. That's, that's how much <laughs> oh, he was paid. Okay, 348000 Well, you know what? Uh, <laughs> if you want to bring in costs, city council is another one that I wanted to dwell on here in a moment because uh, their going away party became rather cost prohibitive. We'll come back with that as a topic worthy of discussion with our panel. The Reverend Dr. Sherry DeNovo, John Capobianco, Michael Giles on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. They call them booking fees. They call them block fees. They have jumped the queue fees. The draft legislation gives the kind of power to the minister and the board that is excessive. And as I said earlier, draconian. We are continuing our consultations, but the reality is, and everybody knows it, you know it, I know it, and the people of Ontario know that our health care system is on life support. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.